I am not a through hiker, but Renee Patrick is, and you're in luck because she is on the show today. And I am talking to Renee because she's going to be presenting at our upcoming Hike Like a Woman Summit. This is the largest virtual conference ever in the history of the world by and for outdoor women. And Renee is one such human being who is going to be speaking at our summit. And uh, I'm really excited to share our conversation today that we had all about hiking and backpacking and long distance hiking. And if you want to learn more about Renee, if you want to learn more about us here at Hike Like a Woman, what we do, if you want to learn more about our upcoming virtual conference, head on over to our website, hikelikewoman.com. You can find all the details there. Enjoy my conversation with Renee. Renee, tell us about the Triple Crown. Um, we have a lot of day hikers and overnight backpackers in the Hike Like a Woman community, but we don't actually have a lot of women who've done any through hiking. So what is the Triple Crown? And talk to us about uh, why you decided to take on such a big challenge. Right. Yeah. Well, the Triple Crown makes up the three longest trails in the United States. So those are all over 2,000 miles each. So there's the Appalachian Trail or Appalachian, depending on what part of the country you're in, um, that goes from Georgia to Maine on the East Coast. Then there's the Pacific Crest Trail. That's Mexico to Canada through California, Oregon, and Washington. And then there's the Continental Divide Trail through the Rockies, and that's New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho. So that ends at Glacier National Park um, on the border with Canada. So each of those trails is takes almost half a year, sometimes longer. Um, but I love the fact that you're simply in nature, walking one foot in front of the other. And my first hike was the Appalachian Trail in 2002. So that was over 20 years ago. And I broke a lot of barriers with what I thought my body could do. Like the first day I hiked 14 miles, my mind was blown. Like, oh my God, I can do this? Because I had never grown up hiking or backpacking. And then the fact that one day after another, you can cross an entire continent. It was just very empowering to see what your body can do, what... And it's almost sometimes more of a mental challenge to stay, you know, in it, especially when the conditions are cold or rainy or you're having a bad day. Um, but I just fell in love with the whole experience. And so since the AT, I've gone on to hike, I'm almost 12,000 miles on lots of different trails all over the place. So how many pairs of shoes or hiking boots have you worn out in those? <laughs> I could not even tell you. <laughs> a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. It was actually just recently that I got rid of some of my first gear, like my first backpack from the yeah. AT and my first, you know, pair of shoes. You have some nostalgia and some connection to those items. But um, this many years, you just can't keep on holding on to all of it. So. Makes you want to invest in some uh, some stock of whatever your preferred shoe company is, right? Totally. Yep. Keeping yep. them in business. Yep. Um, of, of all three trails, which one? Well, I, I mean, that's probably like asking what the favorite, what your favorite star <laughs> in the sky is. You don't know, but... Which one, was there one particular one that was really a special, like more special than the others? Or maybe special is not the right word. Meaningful? Yeah. I really loved my time on the Pacific Crest Trail. And I think that one in particular, I started that one solo. So since 
And that hike was 2006. And since then, I've spent a lot of time hiking solo on these long trails. So I met, I had the opportunity to meet people I really connected with in the moment. Mm -hmm. And the people in the community ended up being some of my favorite part are, and some of those folks are my favorite, my best friends to this day. And, um, and that was an incredibly bonding experience when you go through these, these challenges together. And we had a high snow year in the Sierra and you just get to these really deep connections. It helps that the Pacific Crest Trail is gorgeous, like all the way through and you're on the crest of all these mountains on the West Coast and you go through the Sierra and, and the Cascades and Oregon and Washington. So on, on a lot of levels, it was like the best of the best. The people, the scenery, the trail is really well maintained. The PCTA does a great job. So yeah, that one was, and that was the trail that really got me um, hooked on trying to find a career in hiking. How can I make hiking my living and spend all my time doing it? Well, that just leads us right into the next question. Um, you do a lot for advocacy, for education. Um, talk to us a little bit about how you have been able to turn hiking into a career and what you do. Yeah, well, it's been it's been a long road. So after the PCT in 2006, I thought I would try trail maintenance. So that's the other side of hiking is giving uh, back and helping nice. building and maintaining. Mm-hmm. So I led trail crews around Colorado that next year. And then that the next year I moved to Bend and I started leading wilderness therapy trips for Ooh. teenagers and then worked for Outward Bound and worked as a guide. And so I was trying out lots of different careers, mm-hmm. like what's sticking, what's really resonating but it was after I hiked the Continental Divide Trail in 2015, I returned home to Bend and got a job to help establish the Oregon Desert Trail, which is a 750-mile trail in southeastern Oregon. Oh. So for the past eight years, I've been the hiker creating the trail that I, or the route that I want everyone to, to hike. Oh, cool. Um, and then the last three or four years, I've been involved in another long distance trail called the Blue Mountains Trail, which is a new one in Northeastern Oregon. Um, and that, again, I just love helping create resources, making sure people are having everything they need to be successful and safe and enjoy and connect the places. Mm-hmm. So the bo- last two trails I mentioned are both were both created by conservation organizations explicitly to connect the recreation community to the landscapes, understanding the issues. So then this year I started a long distance trail consulting company to do that for other trails. Like I think there's incredible opportunity to talk to folks who are spending extended time in nature on these trails and help them get involved in taking part in what's happening to these trails and these environments and um, take more of an active role. So, yeah, we read about like the Appalachian Trail being trashed, you know, and destroyed and waste not being disposed of and packed out properly and all of and all of these things. And so I think all of us, whether we're a day hiker or long distance hiker, we need to we need to protect and preserve these special, special places um, for future generations. It's not just a hope. It is like we, we, we must, we must do this. It's not a choice. It is, we have to protect the places that we love. So I, I appreciate that you're giving back to 
the trails and to the planet and um, because, and I, and I might be putting words in your mouth or I think it's because you want people to experience what you experienced maybe in a way. I, I, I want folks to, yeah, have that empowering experience. Like I first felt hiking long trails, but also I think when we are, um, we realize we're connected, we're a part of these landscapes that we're hiking through. We make different decisions. Like what's happening to the waterways on the trails we hike Mm -hmm. is affecting us and our, what's happening to the air quality, what's happening with drought and fires. Like that's directly affecting our lives and our health. And so drawing those ties and helping folks realize they are a part of everything. We're not so disconnected as you might think when we're in our boxes and our walls um, that maybe collectively we'll make different decisions and want to do more to help, you know, mitigate some of the difficult, some of the challenges or impacts um, and just think differently about how we engage with, with the world around us. Yeah. We, I think we protect what we love and if we love the outdoors, then we're going to protect it. But if we're also not exposed to the outdoors, um, as a parent, I feel I have two boys. And when we go into the backcountry, they are really good at making risk man- management type decisions. Like they understand risk from a very young age. and I, And I think they're learning so much when they're in the outdoors and they, they know how to manage risk and they know how to be safe and, um, and they know how to walk on a surface that isn't just a soft playground. Um, And, and I wish, I, I wish every child could grow up experiencing those things because it, it, it changes your life and it changes how you're going to live your life for the rest of your life. Definitely. Yeah. I think about that in my experience growing up, I did not, like I mentioned, we didn't hike yeah. or camp or anything, but I grew up in rural Wisconsin where the outdoors was an extension of my house. So yeah. I was climbing trees and running around and swimming in lakes. So even though I wasn't hiking and camping, it felt very comfortable because that was just where I yeah. spent a lot of my time. And I think as I started hiking, I came back to that sort of, oh, I know this place. I I like myself outside. I'm I uh, am comfortable. And so that you I don't think you can get away with um that exposure to kids is so important, I think, in getting them comfortable. Um, because I know when talking to women who want to do long distance hiking, you know, fear, there's, there is some fear there sometimes. And like, what does it mean? Especially as a solo hiker. Yeah. Um, And I think more time, the more time, the better and realizing like, okay, a lot of those fears are maybe because you haven't, you know, necessarily had all that time outside. And once you get out there and you realize, oh, no animals hunting me down. Like there's, there's some of those are sort of, um, resolved after a few days on trail and, and the longer, the better. Cause then you're like, okay, this is my home. Yeah. You start to feel comfortable and confident and confidence is really the key there. Like that fine line though, between confidence and arrogance, because <laughs> mother nature's always going to beat us. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, confidence is such a, such a powerful word. 
And you're going to be talking at our summit about yes. all the cool things you do. And I don't want you to give away too much. I want you just to give a little, a little taste of what your presentation is going to be about because I want people to come to the summit and hear your, hear your presentation. But can you give us a little overview? Overview. Words are so hard. Overview. <laughs> yes. So I really want to talk about developing that connection while we're hiking. And so share stories and tips about how can you be more thoughtful and intentional when you go outside um, to, if you want to develop that connection and feel more comfortable. So that's a little bit of a teaser. I love it. I can't wait to listen. Um, I I feel like I get this I get to know ahead of time all of these presentations and I'm getting very excited about them. So um, connecting with nature, developing that connection. Um, I think that uh, a lot of women in our community might struggle feeling like they don't have the right gear. They don't have the right clothing. They don't look like everybody else on the trail. Um they might feel a little insecure or scared to even start hiking, let alone the thought of an overnight backpacking trip or a weekend backpacking trip, or maybe some of them want to retire and then hike a long trail. So what, what advice or what, what would you do to encourage and support someone who might just be feeling a little insecure, but really, really, really wants to go on that big epic adventure? Sure. Well, I think of a couple things. One, one of the, the first through hikers out there was this woman named Grandma Gatewood who hiked to the Appalachian Trail. And she did so wearing head sneakers and a canvas duffel bag. So if, you know, concerned about gear and looking like you're a hiker and you know what, it didn't stop her. I think she hiked it multiple times. And I just love that you can go with what you have right now. And in mm -hmm. fact, I work in a lot of smaller communities in the Northwest who don't have REIs and gear stores. Mm -hmm. And I encourage people to, to think you don't need thousands of dollars. You can go, you can use a shower curtain as a tarp. You can use the shoes you have, you can, yeah. you know, just like, don't let the gear uh, be the barrier. But then yeah. another aspect is why I like to hike solo is, is that nobody's watching, nobody's looking, especially, you know, it depends where you're going. Yeah. There's some very yeah. popular trails, but you can do you, you can hike at your own pace, stop when you want a snack. Um, and I, I like to camp away from the trail, so I'm not seen. So I like mm -hmm. to just know that I am totally by myself in this place. And I, I know, again, there's, there's some folks that may get scared about hiking, camping alone in the woods. But for me, that's ultimate freedom to know I'm not being watched. There's no social media. Like I can do whatever I want. I love to read and listen to music and podcasts and write. So I do all those things. So it's like finding the thing you love to do and yeah, maybe find a quiet place away from other people where you're not being seen. So you don't have to worry about, you know, if you don't look the part, you, it's just you and nature. I think a lot of times we spend time thinking that other people um, are watching us or care about what we're doing, but really I think most of us are so ego driven and egocentric that we, 
you know, people aren't really watching us because they're too involved in what they're doing. And it's just a weird human thing. Um, but yeah. What do you say to people who are like, oh, solo, solo hiking, solo camping, solo backpacking isn't safe? Um, I think there's, there's some skill development to get and it's, it all comes down to making good decisions. So do you trust yourself to make the decisions that you need to do to, to be safe? And, and again, I've hiked thousands of miles by myself and, you know, that looks like having, um, good systems in place. Like, do people know where you are? I carry a Garmin inReach, which I can turn on the ping so my partner can follow me where I'm going. I have you know, a lot, I carry more food and water than I usually need. Like I plan, there's a phrase, you carry your fears on yeah. long distance backpacking. So if you're scared about being hungry, you'll always have more food. If you're scared about being cold, you'll have more gear. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's an awareness thing, but okay. So if that's what you need to be comfortable is worried about running out of water, which in some places, desert hiking, that's a serious concern, then take more water. You yeah. know, and you're worried about your phone dying because you're using it for um, the GPS mapping and your camera. I take a brick of a battery pack with me and I never have to worry about running out of juice because I'm using it, my phone for all these things. So I think it's okay to carry your fears and learn to trust your intuition. And that also comes with time, I think, and time spent on trails. So, yeah. And I... As you were saying that, I've never heard that phrase before, but uh, I love it. And I, it's so, so true. And it's not just true for backpacking. I think it's kind of true for life too. Yeah. In some ways, you know, it's like carrying your fears. Okay. Can you realize this and like unpack some of that? You don't have to carry all that weight. Yeah, yeah. But then again, I think that can be a safety mechanism or a coping mechanism. Like until you know, learn how to unpack some of that weight maybe it's okay to carry it uh, or just be aware of it. And it is very tangible when it's in your pack. And that helps yeah. you sort of look at, you know, what are your fears and what are you packing? Yeah. It's so funny because, you know, the 10 essentials, everybody knows the 10 essentials of like the 10 things that we should carry if we have to survive, blah, 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 blah. One of the 10, 10 essentials is illumination. And in my mind, I am not scared of, the dark and I'm not scared of hiking in the dark and illumination is like the lowest of the things on my 10 essentials list because I spent a lot of time in the army getting used to the dark and and like having light discipline um but I talked to a lot of women who are like their headlamp is their number one safety piece of equipment and that's good like that's good for them but it totally makes sense that that is what makes them feel comfortable and safe and I'm just like Meh. I would much rather have uh like some water purification type thing filter or tablets with me but yeah it's so cool and and it's like everybody has different fears and and that's okay too and everybody has different things in their pack and that just makes us a really diverse community of hikers. Yes, I agree. And there's no one hiking, you know, gear list for everybody. Everybody yeah. needs different things to be comfortable and feel, you know, safe out there. And so, um, and again, that takes time to figure out what are those things 
that you need or you want to be comfortable. Because if you're not comfortable and you're not having a good time, then you might not do it again. And so that's where I, I said I love to read and write. So I bring and I make time in my day, even on a through hike. I'll sometimes I write for two hours in the morning. That's just what I love. I have my coffee and I get up and I write about I write every day when I'm hiking. I write a blog about the day before. And that's just a wonderful time to reflect. But I know other people create art. And so I'm really interested in the other ways that people connect and and explore like their creativity and what makes, you know. What do they like to do when they're outside? Yeah, I guide uh, trips and I have a co-guide who she'll pack like five pounds of art supplies, like watercolors and paper and all sorts of things. And I'm I'm like, ah, oh, Britt, seriously, like just drop it. You don't need to, you don't need to bring five pounds of art supplies for our clients. They're gonna be okay. But it's really like her little art sessions when we get to camp are a very powerful experience for the women on our trips. And so I appreciate that like we did the full circle, the connection with like the earth, the hike, the trail itself, and then also the, the internal connection too that occurs. Um, Renee, I've loved talking to you. Uh, where can we learn more about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So my hiking blog is shirahikes.com. So my trail name is Shira, like princess of power, the cartoon I grew up <laughs> watching in the eighties. Shira hikes. Yes. <laughs> And my um, trail consulting business website is longdistancetrailconsulting.com. And um, a new project I just started that we didn't mention is called Intentional Hiking. That's kind of bringing this all together. And that's a bit of what I'll share um, with you all later in my presentation. So intentionalhiking.com, longdistancetrailconsulting.com, and shirahikes.com. Here's one thing that's really cool about Renee. So many people do things like through hikes or even Olympians, or they're very, they're, they're very focused on a goal and they accomplish that goal. And then they just leave the community that helped them achieve that goal behind. Not Renee. She is giving back. And I think that is so, so, so cool. Anyway, thank you for listening to my conversation with Renee. If you want to learn more about our summit, tickets go on sale February 1st. The summit itself is May 8th through the 12th. You're going to be able to join us from anywhere in the world. It's virtual, 100% virtual. So you are not going to want to miss it. Head on over to our website, hikelikewoman.com for more information and details and to sign up to get notified when registration opens.